This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, and they have over 100,000 titles available for download. Visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. It's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and have a seat in the Scald Circle for the story of the farm that ran away and came back from Dutch folklore, as told by Minogan. Before we begin our story, we wanted to remind you that we release new tales for free every week. Our shorter tales release on Wednesdays, and our longer chapter stories release on every other Saturday. Find out where you can hear them on our website at thescaldcircle.com. And be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out on one of our enchanting tales from around the world. Now then, without further ado, this is the story of the farm that ran away and came back. There was once a Dutchman who lived in a province called Drenthe. Because there was a row of little trees on his farm, his name was Ryer van Bomtjes. That is, Ryer of the Little Trees. After a while, he moved on to the shore of the Zandersee and into the Overschil. Overschil means over the Ossil River. There he bought a new farm near the village of Bloxil. By diking and pumping, certain wise men had changed ten acres of sand and heath into pasture and land for plowing. They surrounded it on three sides with canals. The fourth side fronted on the Zandersee. Then they advertised, in glowing language, the merits of the new land, and Ryer van Bomtjes bought it and paid for his real estate. He was as proud as a popinjay of his island, and he ruled over it like a Tsar or a Kaiser. A few years before, Ryer had married a Quiesel, as the Dutch call either a nun or a maid who is no longer young. At this date, when our story begins, he had four blooming but old-fashioned children with good appetites. They could eat cabbage and potatoes, rye bread and cheese, buy the half-pack, and drink buttermilk by the quart. In addition, Ryer owned four horses, six cows, two dogs, some roosters and hens, a flock of geese, two dozen ducks, and a donkey. Yet although Ryer was rich, as wealth is reckoned in Drenthe whence he had came, he was greedy for more. He skimped the food of his animals. So much did he do this so that his neighbors declared that they had seen him put green spectacles on his cows and donkey. Then he mixed straws and shavings with the hay to make the animals think that they were eating fresh grass. When he plowed, he drove his horses close to the edge next to the water, as to make use of every half inch of land. When sometimes bits of fenland from his neighbors' farms got loose and floated on the water, Raya felt that he was in luck. He would go out at night, grapple the boggy stuff, and fasten it to his own land. After this had happened several times, and Ryer had added a half acre to his holdings, his greed possessed him like a bad fairy. He began to steal the land on the other side of the Zandersee. In the course of time, he became a regular land thief. Whenever he heard of, or saw, a floating bit of territory, he rowed his boat over to it, after it by night. But before morning, aided by wicked helpers who shared in the plunder and were in his pay, he would have the bog attached to his own farm. 
All this time, he hardly realized that his ill-gotten property now increased twelve acres or more, and it was in itself a bit of uh, very shaky real estate. In fact, it was not real at all. His wife one day told him so, for she knew of her husband's mean trickery. Now, about this time, heavy rains fell for many days, and without ceasing, until all the region was reduced to pulp and the country seemed afloat. The dikes appeared ready to burst, and thousands feared that the land had an attack of the disease called vol, which is fall, and that the soil would sink under the waves as portions of the realm had done so before, in days that had long gone by. Yet none of these impending trouble worried Raya, whose greed grew by what it fed upon. In fact, the first day the sun shone again, quickly drying up parts of his farm, he had two horses harnessed up for work. Then he drove them so near the edge of the ditch that plow, man, and horses tumbled, and down they went into the shiny mess of mud and water. At this very moment also, the water from below the bottom of the Zundersee welled up in a great wave like a mushroom, and the whole of Ryer's soggy estate was on the point of breaking loose and seemed ready to float away. The stingy fellow, as he fell overboard, bumped his head so hard on the plow beam that he lay senseless for half an hour. He would certainly have been drowned had not Pete, his stout son, who was not far away and seen the tumble, ran to the house, launched a boat, and rode quickly to the spot where he had seen his father last. Grabbing his daddy by the collar, he hauled him away half dead into the boat. Between his bump and his fright and the cold bath that followed after, Old Ryer was a long time coming to his wits. With filial piety, Pete kept on rubbing the patent hands and restoring the circulation. All this, however, took a long time, even an hour or more, when his father was able to sit up and talk. Pete started to row back to the little wharf in front of his home. But where had it gone? The farm with the house and the fields. Whither had it gone? Ryer was too mystified to get his bearings, but Pete knew the points of his compass. Yet his father's farm was not there. He looked at the shore of the Overshill, which he had left. Instead of the old straight lines of willow trees with the church spire beyond, there was a hollow and an empty place. It looked as if a giant as big as the world itself had bitten out a piece of land and swallowed it down. Dumbfounded, father and son looked, the one at the other, but said nothing, for there was nothing to say. Meanwhile, what had become of the farm and the queasel, as the neighbors still called her? That is, the mother and the children. These good people soon saw that they were floating off somewhere, and the mainland was every moment receding further into the distant. In fact, the farm was moving from Oversill northward, toward Friesland. One by one, the church spires of the village, near, faded from sight. But when the wind changed from south to west, they seemed as if on a ship, with sails set and to be making due west for North Holland. The younger children, so far from being afraid, clapped their hands in glee. They thought it was great fun to ferry across the big water, which they had so long seen before their eyes. And their stingy father had never owned a carriage or allowed the horses to be ridden. He always made his family walk to church, 
whether it were to the sermon in the morning or to hear the catechism expounded by the domine in the afternoon. All the family had a tramp on their wooden shoes there and back. As for the floating farm, the cows could not understand it. They mooed piteously, while the donkey brayed loudly. At night and day after day, no one could attend properly to the animals to see that they were given water and fed. One always sees a big tub in the middle of a Dutch pasture field. Neither ducks nor geese nor chickens minded it in the least, but the thirsty cattle and horses, at the end of the first day, had drunk the tub dry. None of the dumb brutes, even if they had not been afraid of drowning, could drink from the Zundersee, for it was chiefly seawater, and that is salt, or at least brackish. Occasionally, this errant farm, that had thus broken loose, passed by fishermen who wondered that so much land should be adrift. Yet they feared to hail and go on board, lest the owners might think them intruding. Others thought it none of their business, supposing some crazy fellows were using his farm as a ship to move his lands, goods, and household, and thus save some expense. In some of the villages, the runaway farm was decried from the tops of the church towers. Then it furnished a subject for chat and gossip during three days to the women, as they milked the cows or knitted stockings. To the men also, while they smoked or drank their coffee, it was a lively topic. There were real people on it, and a house and stables, said the sexton of a church, who declared that he had seen this new sort of flying Dutchman. It was the usual sight, cow, dog, and stork. And then he quoted the old Dutch proverb. At last, after several days, and when Ryer and his son were nearly finished with fatigue and fright and trying to row their boat to catch up with the runaway farm, they finally reached a village across the Zundersee, in North Holland, where rye bread and turnips satisfied their hunger, and they had waffles for dessert. Their small change went quickly, and then the two men were at their wit's end to know what further to do. By this time, out on the floating farm, the mother and children were wild with fear of starving. All the food for the cattle had been eaten up, and the dog had no meat and the cat had no milk, and the stork had run out of supply of its frogs. There was no sugar, nor coffee, and neither rye bread nor currant bread, or sliced sausage or wafer-thin cheese for anyone, but only potatoes and some barley grain. Happily, however, in drifting within sight of the village of Osterbeck, the mother and children noticed that the east wind was freshening. Soon they were decried from the tops of the church towers of North Holland. The smell of cows and cheese and burning peat fires from the chimneys made both animals and humans very happy as the wind blew the island westward toward the village. Curiously enough, this was the very place at which, by hard rowing, Ryer and Pete had also arrived. Father and son were sitting in the hotel parlor, with their eyes down on the sandy floor, wondering how they were going to pay for the next sandwich and coffee, for all of their money was gone. And at that very moment, a small boy clattered over the bricks in his clumps. He kicked these off at the door and rushed into the room. He had on his yellow baggy trousers, and his hair of the same color was cut level with his ears. Half out of breath, he announced the coming of Float, of what looked like a combination of farm and menagerie. A house, a woman, some girls, a dog, a cat, and a stork were on it, and a float. At once, old man Ryer, still stiff from his long cold bath, hobbled out, and Pete ran before him. Yes, it was mother, the children, and all the animals. For the first time in his life, the mean old sinner felt his heart thumping in grateful emotion. 
under his woolen jacket with its two gold buttons. Something like real religion finally oozed out from under his crusted soul. A whole convoy of boys, fishermen, farmers, and a fat frau or two volunteered to go out and tow the runaway farm to the village wharf. And they succeeded in grappling the float, and held it fast by ropes tied to a horse post. That night all were happy. The farm was made fast by another rope, which was put around the town pump. Then all the villagers went to bed. They were happy in having rescued a runaway farm, and they expected a good loon, which is a good reward, from rich old Ryer, who in the barroom had talked big about his wealth. As for the Van Bumptious, in order to save a landlord's bill for beds, they slept in their house on that board the farm, amid the lowing of their cattle that called out in their own way for more fodder. While the people in the village wondered at roosters crowing out on the water, and evidently the barnyard birds were frightened. And so they were, for before midnight when all the other creatures were asleep and not even a mouse was stirring on land, whether hard fast or floating, the west wind rose mightily and blew to a terrific gale. In a moment, the tow lines that held the vagrant farm to the village pump and the horse post snapped. The Van Bumptious estate left the wharf and was driven at a furious rate across the Zandersee. For several hours, like a ship under full sail, it was pushed westward by the wind. Yet so soundly did all sleep, man and wife, children and hens, that none awakened during this strange journey. Even the roosters, after their first concert, held in their voices. Suddenly, and as straight as if steered by a skilled pilot, the Van Bumptious farm, now an accomplished traveller, after its many adventures, shot into its old place. This took place with such violence that Ryer Van Bumptious and his wife were both thrown out of bed. The cows were knocked over in the stable. The dog barked, supposing someone had kicked him. One old rooster jostled off his perch, set up a tremendous crowing that brought some of the early risers out to rub their eyes and see what was going on. Heaven and earth, lightning and rain, they cried. The old farm is back in its place. In fact, the Van Bumptious real estate was snugly fitted once more to the mainland, and again in the niche it had left. It was struck so hard that a ridge of raised sod five inches high marked the place of the junction, and at least twenty fishes and wriggling eels were smashed in the collision. From that day forth, the conscience of Van Bumptious returned, and he actually became an honest man. He sawed off from time to time portions of his big farm and returned them home with money paid as interest to the owners. He found out all the miners whose bits of land had drifted off, and he sent a tidy sum of gold to the village in North Holland, where his farm had been moored for a few hours. With a good conscience, he went to church and worshipped. His actions at each of the two collections, which Dutch folks always take up on Sundays, were noticed and praised as a sure and public sign of the old sinner's true repentance. When the deacons with their white gloves on poked under his nose their black velvet bags hung at the end of fishing poles ten feet long, this man, who had been for years a skinflint, dropped in a silver coin each time. On the farm, all the animals from duck to stork and from dog to ox now led happier lives. In the family, all declared that the behavior of the farm and the wind of the Zandersee had combined to make a new man and a delightful father. Of old Van Bumptious, he lived long and happily and died greatly lamented. 
And that is the story of the farm that ran away and came back. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, we recommend taking a look at our Patreon page as noted in the description below. You can earn great rewards while also supporting us to keep these stories alive for future generations to come. Also remember to subscribe to us on your podcast application and leave us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the story. A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. Without your contribution, we wouldn't be able to continue these stories, and we truly appreciate it. Visit thescaldcircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current events, news, and much more. Not only that, but you can also visit our story archive of every tale we have told. It's sorted by origin and region for the convenience of your listening pleasure. Thank you for listening to our story. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. While this story is over, you can still visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. Let us know what you've listened to recently on Audible via our Facebook page. We're always looking for new recommendations.